Yeah, I don't know about all that, but... So, this is episode two of Discography Discussion. Dan, what's up? Uh, not too much. Josh, what's going on? Not much. Having fun. Sky, you're here too, right? Yeah, that's right, she is. So, what's going on? We're talking about mortification? Uh, yeah. And what about mortification? Well, uh, everything. Really? Just about. Okay. So, you want to elaborate on that, or are we just going to go into it? <laughs> well, uh, Mortification is a Christian metal band, uh, which is what they would tell you. Um, what they does played, that mean? Uh, well, they played a good mix of Christian thrashy death metal uh, in the early 90s, uh, moved on to more of like a groove metal sound, and uh, eventually uh, kind of topped off. Didn't, didn't really end much on a high note, um, kind of... Music got a little cheesier, a little more simple, and uh, you know that's it. Discography, discography discussion over. All right, so <laughs> episode three. All right, so what have you been listening to? Well, I mean, break it down because you sound like you're beating around the bush a little bit, and and knowing you personally and knowing exactly what your opinion of mortification is, I'm just gonna call you out right now and say, tell us how you really feel. I guess uh, with mortification, what it is is that. They're a band that I liked a lot whenever I was younger um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the early albums are extremely good. Um, the later albums typically tend to lose quality uh, over time. Um, if you if you listen to the band's first three albums and then go listen to their last three albums, uh, it's very disappointing as a music fan to see a band that was good that had a good premise decay and mortification is notable uh in the sense that they were kind of the first christian death metal band that made it uh there was a band out before them called vengeance rising that played kind of a thrash style uh with the more raspy vocals and stuff um but when mortification kind of hit the scene they were um in a lot of people's words a lot scarier uh than anything that had come through uh, the Christian metal realm, so to speak, um, at that time. They, they, at a time, they were really the most extreme Christian metal band that existed, and that's really what made them notable. I know my first introduction to Mortification was when Hammer of God came out, and I remember you playing it for me, thinking, as a person who is a huge fan of Metallica and that punk style of thrash, Yeah, I'm okay, here's a band that sounds like a band that I like, but the vocals are different. Yeah, the and, vocals were odd. And little did I know, until you told me, that's not even what that band usually sounds like. Right. <laughs> this is a band that comes from death metal and type of vocals. Sure. And it was... it was Same guy. It, it was, same guy. <laughs> it was nice to hear something... It was nice to hear something good for a change. Sure. In a market of accept this because it has a message type bands. And I know that's never really been a good excuse for me. I know we kind of share that opinion of just because the message is good doesn't mean the music is good. Right. So, and this was an example of music being good. And then years go by. I've got Hammer of God in my collection. I've listened to the other albums that came out before. But then the stuff that was coming out, all I could say was this is boring yeah it was and having listened to it now an album 
like the Mortification self-titled, and then an album like Scrolls of the Megaloth, and then we get to Hammer of God, it's still good. It's still exciting. Sure. It's unexpected. Sure. Uh, if if they do one thing that is kind of why, it's that every album seems to have a joke on it. Yeah, joke song. But acceptable because, you know, we've done the joke song thing before and it's fun. Sure. But uh, now it, it turned into what it is and the reason that it turned into what it is, uh, we will delve into it, but yeah, at guess... one point Steve Rowe had cancer. Right. And, okay, you kept going, but it, it the quality's gone downhill. Right. And I wouldn't... And I don't, I don't want to say that the guy quit while you're ahead... Right. But that's when we end up on my question of, does it still need to be the thing that it always was, or can it be something different? Because it is different. Right. And I, you know, I think Steve Rowe would agree with you in that regard. Uh, I think really the best way to describe mortification, though, is really just to go back to the beginning. All right. And what is the beginning for mortification? Well, mortification was a band that started out as another band called uh, Light Force, and they were kind of like a thrashy uh more Iron Maiden influence kind of band, but they, you know, were kind of starting to get into thrash. They remind me of Sabotage. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, this, I, I could yeah, I could hear that, actually, now that you say it out loud. Um, <laughs> For those who don't know, Sabotage is the band that is also the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I'll let you figure that out. So Light Force, um, they put out two albums, and uh, more or less, Steve Rowe was just the bass player. Uh, of Light Force, and he decided that he wanted to keep the band going after they broke up. So I guess I guess they must have broke up around like 1989 or so, or maybe 88, 89. But Steve Rowe wanted to keep going with it, so he um, he got together with a couple of guys uh, named Jason Sherlock and uh, Cameron Hall, I believe was the first guitarist's name, and they got together and they recorded as Light Force uh, a demo called "Break the Curse." Uh, that had 10 songs on it, and they, they more or less didn't really release Break the Curse uh, publicly until years later they re-released it and, you know, branded it as Mortification. So in a lot of ways, I consider that to be the first Mortification album. Um, Break the Curse is a lot more punky sounding. Uh, it has a very punk thrash sound to it. Uh, Steve Rowe Ro growls the vocals for the most part uh, in more of kind of a raspy. He really hadn't started the deep death metal vocals that he kind of became famous for. Um, he really wasn't there yet, so it was more like just kind of a thrashy shout, growl. Um, sounds a little carcassy, actually, when I listen to it, um, which is not a bad thing at all. Nope. Um, not at all. <laughs> Love carcass. I do, too. Yeah. And it's... Uh, so... Uh, and again, we're listening to the we're listening to the band as we talk about them, so it can be a little distracting. But, um, but yeah, break the curse. Um, a lot of the songs that were on that album actually did transfer on to Mortification's self-titled album. So between break the curse and um, the Mortification self-titled record, they um, they got a different guitarist, uh, a guy named Michael Carlisle, I think. Um, if I've got the timeline quite right, um, he Sounds started about right. Yeah, he started playing on the um, mortific, the mortification self-titled album. That album still predominantly, I'd say, musically is just is straight thrash, like from beginning to end. It seems like this guitarist was a lot better that they got on this one than the first one. 
Yeah. I just listened to the first five or so albums today, and yeah, I could tell a difference from the first one to the second one Yeah, musically for sure. I like this guy in the second album definitely more than the first. A lot more speed. Oh, yeah. Um, Sound quality's better. I mean, obviously, the dr- with any kind of band like that. Oh, yeah. The drums are uh, the drums sound a lot better too. It's the Chris same guy. cleaner, yeah, yeah. It's the same guy, but uh, you can tell he definitely got way better. Uh, Mixed between. a little better. Oh yeah, he, he's yeah, he's a technically more sound than the first one. Yeah, he's a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, he you know um, he's he's talented. That's for sure. Another thing about Mortification that this is one of those bands where you end up jumping ahead and then coming back to go over this territory, but it's a band that as it goes on, it becomes more and more apparent that the vision, the control shifts to one specific member. And this is an example of a band where the focus became the bass player. Yeah. And I can't say that's a good idea because most bass players that I know, if they had complete control, they're not songwriters. They might know how to play, but they're not going to write a song like a songwriter would. They write a bass part that they think is cool well yeah and the later material turns into this is a riff and a song that the bass player wrote and that is not usually most of the time a good thing right and in these early records you can tell it's still a band even if the guitarist changes which i know it did several times you can still tell that it's a band the focus and the idea is more conventional and somebody would say well it doesn't have to be conventional you're right but it also doesn't have to be good and the more and more they stray away from it sounding like a band the more it becomes not good well yeah and i think the thing too is so yeah you look at these old albums and what you're saying is exactly correct because in on the first three or four mortification albums the songs were predominantly written by steve rowe and jason sherlock the drummer um, and I hate to say it, but I'm usually a, I, I'm usually a, 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 a bigger fan of the Sherlock written songs than I am the Steve Rowe ones. Not to say that those are bad. And, um, what you were saying about the bass player not being the main songwriter, you can really hear that because on the first three mortification records, I think Steve Rowe's bass playing is at its best. Um, because he, he's, he's focusing on, on, well, he's focusing on two things. He's singing and playing bass, but. Um, you know, he, he even does like a bass solo, um, in, um, I think it's the third album. It's weird, but you know. <laughs> what, uh, Scrolls and Megaloth or Post Momentary uh, Affliction? Post Momentary Affliction, he did a bass solo. Um, it's not as good as like Anesthesia or anything. It's actually extremely weird sounding and almost sounds a little bluegrassy. I don't even, I can't even describe it. We'll have to pull it up later and listen to it because it's insane. Uh, so they put out the first, they put out the self titled album. Self-titled album, super heavy. Um, the impact it had on Christian metal is is really undeniable in the sense that uh, it had good lyrics. It had really fast, thrashy guitars, like no compromise. You know, one of the things people always complain about with like Christian music versus other music is that oh, it's not as aggressive, or there it's it's you know they don't have the anger in them. Or you listen to that first Mortification album, and it's like, dude, it's. <laughs> It it is every bit as aggressive as you know, like Creator or Slayer or anything anything of its ilk. I mean, it's it's heavy as piss. And most death metal like this, I always attribute to Slayer from a focus style or the way it's the way Slayer is. It's an onslaught of audio, 
It just comes right. straight at you, which is, I know, the thrash mindset typically. But this is very much the same idea, yeah. is it's an onslaught. And I know their second album or their third album, depending on how you view Break the Curse, Scrolls of the Megaloth in 1992, still... One of the heaviest albums I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you thought that, he- like, people used to say, if you think the first Mortification album is heavy, you need to listen to Scrolls of the Megaloth because it is literally the most insane thing we've ever gotten out of Christian music. I mean, it's just, um, you know, for your fans of your Cannibal Corpse and Napalm Death and, you know. Cannibal Corpse was the first thing I thought of listening to us. If you don't know the lyrics or if you just didn't listen to this without the lyrics of just music, you would mistake them for Cannibal Corpse absolutely. or something like that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the biggest difference about Scrolls, though, is its main focus is being heavy, which is kind of weird. Like, hey, it doesn't sound like it'd be a good thing, but it really worked for him here. Um, because Mortification has never really been a very heavy solo band, at least not at the beginning. Uh, for as much for as much praise as people give these first few albums, there really aren't very many guitar solos in them. Uh, maybe a little bit on the self-titled. Uh, I don't remember there being any solos on Scrolls at all. Um, it was not just, to come to mind. No. You I know. thought Postmortem was the first one that I remember hearing solos on it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, that was that was the more technical one, you know. Because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, we did the death metal thing on Scrolls, so now we're going to, you know. Change it up. Yeah, and, it, you know, Postmomentary was, was a lot like, um, it was a lot like Scrolls, but I get the songs were more interesting to listen to, mm-hmm. you know. Um but Scrolls is just undeniably just so heavy. Um, the vocals on Scrolls, I think, are unique in that, you know, I've heard a lot of death metal bands from that era. And uh, Steve Rowe's vocals were very modern sounding death metal uh, because a lot of like a lot of the death metal from the early 90s was uh, still a lot of like thrashy shouts, um, you know, with with more aggressiveness. Um, sometimes the whole death metal aspect was more about the music than the vocals. And Steve Rowe's vocals are just insane sounding on this record. I mean, just otherworldly terrifying. Um, and it's funny too, cause I was listening to a podcast, uh, just the other week with, uh, Jason Sherlock on it. And he was saying how, like, there's a lot of like dual vocals, Joe, if you pull up the song, um, terminate damnation off of uh, scrolls, uh, at the very beginning of that song, um, there's, a. Uh, there's like a vocal, and I thought it was an effect. Um, it's uh, track two. Um, there's a vocal effect on that song that um, I thought it w- I thought it was an effect, but it turns out that it literally is just um, Jason Sherlock and Steve Rowe doing extreme death metal vocals, and they just mixed them together. And when you listen to it, it sounds like an effect. Well, that's, when that's it standard fare with recording is doubling vocals or yeah. even doubling two different uh, two different vocalists yeah. to get a different type sound. A good example for a listener would be anything off Nevermind, because if you hear a big-time harmony, it's probably Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl. Right. So, right, but if you listen to this... You're talking about this guttural... Yeah. It sound it sounds like an effect. <laughs> um they're very in sync. Yeah, it's a very strange uh strange sounding record in that regard uh, and it most death metal, you know, that was to come later did sound kind of like this and it was seemed seemed almost a little pioneering uh for a Christian band <laughs> to to have that extremity, right. that that level of heaviness. Um it was just insane. 
Um, and scrolls for a lot of people is the end all be all of, of mortification. Uh, I know some people that literally just listen to the first album and scrolls to Megaloth and then they're done. Like there's nothing else exists after that. Oh, yeah. uh, which is a shame because, uh, Post-Momentary Affliction is a good record. Very good. <laughs> well, yeah. I know for me, it kind of stops shortly after Hammer of God, but I try to make that critical, not just I'm done because this is the best. Because that would be like listening to Master of Puppets and not getting to hear Sandman. <laughs> right. Right. It just depends on what kind of person you are, I guess. Exactly. Um, yeah, Post-Momentary, death metal, but they started thrashing again on that one uh you start hearing the thrash metal influences and this was the very first time you hear steve Rowe use his uh you know like actual voice <laughs> so a little less death metal a little more thrash now thrashy yeah longer songs more complicated songs um the intricacies yeah catchier catchier songs catchy riffs yeah mm-hmm. uh the drums are still insane on this record though um it was, this was jason Sherlock's last record with uh with mortification, uh, he went on to to be in a doom metal band called Paramecium, which sounds a lot like Scrolls if it was slowed down, very slow, um, because that was really popular with doom metal back then. Was uh, it was heavy because it was slow and crushing, I guess. And um, that's a good record to listen to, or a good band to listen to, uh, if you're a Jason Sherlock fan. He also went on and recorded the Horde album, which was uh, it was all him. He did everything on that one, um, all the vocals, guitars, drums, and that was like in raw black metal. <laughs> um, but yeah, on uh, but yeah, I think Steve Rose vocals, in my personal opinion, probably sound the best on this third album, uh, post momentary. Um, he he shouts and growls and yells and screams. Just a lot of, a lot of different vocal styles. And I was gonna say he ranges quite a bit on this album as opposed to before. What's one sound, one monotone? Right. You know, I think he realized that he's like, I've got to diversify if I'm gonna keep going. You and know? That, that's definitely a vocalist mindset because I know you. One of your biggest complaints is it's sounding monotone, even though it's your performance. You know, you want dynamic. You want to go high, low, mid. You want to create a creative performance. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, when I recorded vocals, I did it all in one big session, and uh, it did start sounding monotone, and I was always disappointed with that. So, you know, like like Steve Rowe, if I if I did another album, you know, like right now, I'd be changing it up all the time, you know? <laughs> Doing three tracks and coming back later. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but this album's great. I had, like, I mean, it, it's really, one of, it, to a lot of people, the last great Mortification album. Um, this is definitely the third album in a band that's but at least still a band intended yeah. to be it's it's intended to be a continuation it's right. the same thing it's just better than the last time you heard it right it's an era basically of that band um and now we're gonna get into blood world blood world i like yeah. this one a lot you, yeah you, you just go I like right ahead this one a lot yeah this was a weird album as compared to the first four or three however you guys mm-hmm. want to talk about it yeah and as Dan had told me ahead of time when listening to this album, the drums were going to sound different, and they certainly did. There was a kind of that, like we talked only over here, an organic drum sounding that was real popular at the time. Yeah. I like the harmonizing, I think, of the guitars in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lyrics, his voice is different. Yeah. He sings a lot different than he had in the previous albums. Mm-hmm. I just liked it. It just it sounds bassier, a little beefier. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah. 
And this is because, you know, they were an established thing now. They've got three albums out. They've got worldwide popularity, um, at least in, in death metal, you know. <laughs> and uh, they were a really respected band at this point. And I remember Steve Rowe even said, he goes, yeah, the next album's going to be more of a groove, thrash kind of sound. Um, it's going to be really, you know, it, it's going to be a lot better. Um and it's going to be more popular. So I think he was going for kind of more like vocally, at least he was going for more of like a Pantera uh, type sound. You definitely. Know. Definitely um, sounds like yeah. Pantera in his voice. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of Sepultura yep. in there. You know, it's just it's aggressive, but it's not death metal. You know, it's more your average metalhead's going to pick this up and listen to it versus the older stuff. Oh, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, being a metalhead myself, this was, like I said, this is by far one of my favorite albums listening so far from yeah. these guys. Um, My biggest complaint with Blood World is it, it's it's the self-titled Zao record of Mortification. <laughs> Everything about it is great, but then you got to ask yourself, what were they thinking when they mixed the drums? <laughs> I was going to say... For the most part... Sounds a little weird. These The drums are mixed dead center mono. Yeah. And most people in the car, blasting on the stereo, especially, you know, thrash guys, we don't care. We right. know we know what we're getting into, but when I listen to it, and you could say, well, that was the mid-90s, that was the early 90s. No. Albums have been mixed in stereo since stereo existed, especially drums. Right. So why are these so mono? It's there, There's no space. All the space is occupied by the guitar, which right. from an engineering standpoint makes me say, okay, the guitarist must have mixed this. Yeah, because I, the bass yeah. is in the middle, the vocals are offset, and the guitars are all out here, and... It's it's not bad. Yeah, it's just different, and it doesn't sound like because I thought I thought post momentary affliction sounded really big. Um, it Absolutely, was, you could hear it. You know, you'd imagine if the band's playing, they're playing in an arena or something. You know, like they're 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 really. Um, it's it's a very large scale production. Uh, Blood World went for a much more I think raw sound, um, and it's achieved, but it, it doesn't. It, it's off putting, and it, it's a different. Uh, it's a different drummer on this one, uh, and you can definitely tell that in that. So this guy they hired because he's so fast. You know, like, we're mortification. We need a fast drummer, you know, all the time. Uh, and that's kind of about it with this guy. The old drummer was definitely more technical. And, you know, like, you know, you watched him grow through the first three albums. And then you get this new guy, and you're like, okay, so now we're back to square one again. This know? guy's just beating the shit out of the drums rather than playing them. Right, yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, you wonder how many drum heads he went through. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just broken sticks and, yep. you know. I mean, if that's what you want, that's, that's right. what you're going to get. Yeah. And that's, I think that's it the been standard thrash fair, though. Yep. I think I, I don't think there's any live videos of this drummer playing because he was only in the band for this album, um, and maybe that you know maybe there's a reason for that. Uh, but he uh, <laughs> he's not bad. You know, there's nothing wrong with what he's playing. Uh, and really, the biggest complaint about the drum sound is just how it sounds, not that right. the playing itself. And um, but what I think is interesting about about this is I would love to see how this drummer handles the old material. You know, like, could he, right. can he sit down and play post-momentary from beginning to end? Maybe he yeah. could, and that's why it wasn't there. Possibly, you know. We'll never know. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe on YouTube or something, if you search for long enough, I'd be curious see to, to yeah. see now, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, the other thing that is funny to me, you know, I mentioned Zayo, but somebody that would be overly critical of the drum sound is the same person that won't listen to Injustice for All. You're missing out. Because right. of one little quality complaint. Right. 
album is up there. If I had to pick top five for Mortification, yeah, it's album number four, and it's probably up there. Right. Most of the first four are up there, but... Yeah, Blood World is Blood World is not bad uh, by any means. Um, and there have been times, and it, this is kind of a how I'm feeling kind of day. Really, my biggest complaint with Blood World is probably the first 30 seconds uh, of the album, uh, because it's just so different than what we ended up with. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, and the rest of the record sounds fine. I mean, just and like that post was added later. Yeah, uh, just like post momentary. Uh, he really. Um, I I don't know. Like in post momentary, he did a lot of vocal styles, and it seems kind of he kind of continued that on Blood World. You know, because he still does the death metal growls and stuff, but he like saves it for like really heavy moments and intense moments, which you know, which is what you should do. You know, it's a um, tool, not a sound. Right. Well, it's a sound if you're only listen to death metal, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I didn't always like death metal. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we got to get to Opeth one of these days. Oh, we'll do an Opeth one for Ooh, sure. I'm yeah. in for that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you know, yeah, Blood World still doing good, still a little bit different, you know. Um. It's hard with Blood World because Blood World is a good album on its own, but it's not as good as compared to like, you know. Post momentary. <laughs> Speaking of post momentary, oh, you're looking for the bass solo. Uh, I'll take find the one. bass pull. Yeah, no, it's probably not take one. It's just flight of victory is the bass solo. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean it's cool sounding. Um, he's got a cool effect, but I. So full confession, and I'm so sorry, Steve Rowe, if you're listening to this, but I can't tell whether or not this is really good or he just didn't know what he's doing. The rule with bass players is if you hear one note, it's good. Right. I'll let you be the judge. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool, but it's just like I said about it being just very weird and kind of. This sounds like like Getty Lee from Rush. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, it's definitely I would more of a classic rock. Yeah, type it's of more yeah, more of a seventies yeah. rock bass kind yeah. of thing than anything. Well, and that is, that is so Steve Rowe too. If you ever read interviews with him and stuff, he's very like all about seventies stuff. Which there's nothing wrong with that. No. But that's what this reminds whenever me. Whenever you hear that, but it's in the bass, middle of a death metal. Record, yeah, I mean, I so, get you. Like, whenever you, know. you hear that bass, <laughs> could you, could you that imagine? bass chorus, that's yes. Yeah, you know, that's heart of the sunrise. That's yeah. that's roundabout. That's where that comes from. Can you imagine as a, as a kid in the Christian metal being seen, getting this album, listening to it, and then getting to this song going, what What the hell? <laughs> well, and Christian bands were bad about that. Uh, like Tourniquet, who I would consider to be probably one of the greatest Christian metal bands to exist. Um, even they've got weird songs every now and again. like, uh, And not like Tourniquet weird, but just like weird in general. Because uh, they're a weird band anyway. But like they have a... Uh, <laughs> They have like this weird rap rock song that sounds really bad because it was like recorded in 1992, and you know it's, you know, unless it, I don't know, it just didn't sound right. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, yeah. So they did Blood World, and uh, and if, if anybody wants to talk smack about that record, um, you can. But the reality is, is that it is a good record, and um, Steve Rose's plan about getting more popular with that record and that sound uh, absolutely worked a hundred percent. Like uh, that was that he said that was their best selling album that they'd had to that point. That doesn't surprise me based on the sound of it. Yeah, that sounds like it's their black album. Totally different sound than the first four albums that they had done. Absolutely, but still very metal. Very you know? metal. Still in that genre, but it's more commercial where you could listen to it with outside people who maybe weren't 
you know, in that scene. And it's really interesting to hear maybe what a follow-up to Blood World would have sounded like, but I don't feel like the next album, Primitive Rhythm Machine, was really a follow-up because uh, at this point, after this album, Drummer quits. He was only on one album. The guitarist quits, and he was actually... um, (laughs) The guitarist was actually on, he was the one that was on the self-titled Scrolls the Megaloth, Blood World, uh, Post Momentary. Um, so it was kind of a big loss to lose him. Uh, <laughs> was he, did he quit or was he fired? I think he quit. That's I can't think of... Mar- Michael Carlisle, right? Yeah, I can't think of a lot of people in Mortification that were kicked out of the band, at least that I know about. Um, I think, I think you know, at the end of the day, it's still a Christian metal band. It's still an extreme, extreme Christian metal band. And so it, it, there's a certain amount of the audi- potential audience that's just not going to listen to it just yeah. because of that. And so I, even though the band was very popular and very renowned for being a Christian band, um, I think I still think that their actual overall, you know, money take home from that was somewhat limited. Uh, so they probably couldn't. I doubt that they probably ever could have lived off of mortification, you know. Um, and that just sucks. You know, people are judgmental and that's one of the biggest things that irritates me about the whole metal versus Christian metal, because a lot of my introduction to a lot of heavy metal was through Christian metal. And I started listening to everything, uh, after a while, um, because I just liked the musical style and it, it didn't matter to me so much what the lyrics were, um, and I just think it's annoying to hear metalheads be like, oh, Mortification, they're a piece of shit band because they talk about Jesus and nobody likes them. And, you know, like, but it's like, but then you're going to go listen to Slayer where, you know, they say the exact same words in different order. You know, like it just, it didn't make a whole lot of, like, it's not okay for them to talk about Jesus, but it's okay for Slayer to talk about, you know, pissing on a crucifix or whatever. You know, like it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And, um, so I mean, so I, I continue to enjoy mortification, uh, regardless of <laughs> because it's really good metal, right? I was it, gonna say metal is metal, regardless of what the lyrics are. I mean, exactly. If a metal enthusiast is gonna like it for what it is, you know, it's not gonna matter the content of the song, right? Am Am I incorrect in it's It's ironic to me because of the name. Is Primitive Rhythm Machine the slowest mortification album up to this point? Who I mean, uh, I mean, I mean post momentary and maybe Blood a Road. little bit. I mean, they definitely you know we're we're on you know speed setting one thousand uh, pretty much right for everything up to this point. Uh, I would say break the curse might have been a little slower. Um, break the curse reminds me a lot of early creator, uh, <laughs> and, which that uh, was released in ninety four, the same year as Blood World, even though it was older. Yes, it was re released. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got two mortification albums out there. So shut up, stop complaining, you know. But uh, basically, um, yeah, I, I would say Primitive Rhythm is probably slower uh, than Blood World was. But here's why there's nothing wrong with that. Well, y- in order for something to be fast, it has to be next to something slow, right? Which this album, this this type of thrash, and because at this point it's thrash, it's not death metal anymore. Yeah, you it's have more to thrash pay than attention anything. than what to what's going on. Right, it's thrash metal with occasional death metal vocals thrown in there. Um, and so, Primitive Rhythm is probably the shittiest sounding Mortification album from a production standpoint. Um, it's primitive, right? So, uh, at this point, the guitarists quit. They'd always been a three piece band, a power more, trio. More simple than Blood World. You think? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Well, I don't think Blood World is simple. I think it's pretty complicated for yeah, them. Yeah, I was gonna and say it's some intricate pieces in there. For mortification, it just album, sounds it's poppy. pretty. Yeah. 
Right. Um, okay. Primitive Rhythm. Good. Primitive Rhythm was more like Steve Rowe and Friends recorded that album. Basically, his band quit, and then so Steve Rowe had this American tour booked, and was like, "Well, I'm going to go on tour." And so he uh, he just hired a bunch of dudes from other Christian metal bands that were in uh, the United States, and they did the tour. <laughs> Why didn't uh, we think of that? I think actually they did the Blood World tour. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so that was cool. And and those are the guys that are on uh, that are on Primitive Rhythm Machine. Um, and Primitive, Primitive Rhythm Machine has some cool songs on it. There are a few on it that I think are kind of stinkers, but uh, the the song Primitive Rhythm Machine, the way it starts off, is just a really cool intro, and um, it's just it's fun. It's got tribal drums. Uh, uh, around that time, I think Sepultura had put out an album called Chaos AD that was very... Um, very similar. Yeah, very similar. At least in the mindset. Yeah. I think Chaos City is a better record, but uh, they had they had the tribal drum sound going. Um, actually, I wouldn't mind listening to that, Joe, if you've got that on there, Primitive of the Machine, the song. Uh, give me just a second. Um, that song's better than the last half of the album. Absolutely. <clears throat> the last half of the album, it's where it's like three songs, but they're like 15 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. They they never end. Yeah, yeah just, I know that's like three songs. It's yeah, they're like, not no really. Joke. It was like yeah. fifteen minutes, twelve minutes, and then it was like twenty minutes on the last one. Yeah, um, they're just kind of a weird, <laughs> weird band. Um, at, at that time, like they just did, they did a lot of weird stuff. But primitive, primitive was yeah. I love the way that album starts, and I love the cover. It's got like three swords going through like a demon skull, and the swords form the Mortification logo. Which, Very metal. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, Mortification has a lot of cool covers, and they also have a lot of really not so cool covers. Um, the self title one's my favorite. Yeah, but yeah, see, it, it, if you're listening to the production quality, Joe, you could tell it, it's really. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was recorded in several different sessions. Um, it just doesn't sound. Uh, okay, great. I, I get what you're saying. Here. Yeah. Um, the it, guitars also on this record. My biggest complaint: guitars completely lack punch. Um, yeah. On the drums actually sound decent um, this time, but the bass you can you can always hear Steve Rose bass whether you want to or not. Um, he's and, got kind of a Motorhead complex and, in that and, regard. And the further on we go, yeah, that becomes going that back to what I said before, it becomes on, yeah. a huge problem yeah oh but lemmy did it well lemmy turned the mids all the way up turned everything else down and then didn't care yeah but, but see, he did that for 40 years i don't listen to motorhead for its musical complexity right either you know you listen to motorhead for one thing you're you know? trying to say one not complex yeah that's what i'm trying to say all right yeah yeah <laughs> lemmy's actually back from the dead here with us right now to contest the horrible... He's, he's staring straight up at the mic. Yeah, the horrible comments that we made about him. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, Steve Rowe sounds pretty good vocally on this record. Um, sounds kind of like just like he did on Blood World, you know. Uh, he's got it going on. He does the death vocals and stuff. Steve Rowe vocally was really good during this era of mortification. And um, I think, you know... Uh, I think the music sounds good, but it just, it's got kind of that sane anger. It doesn't sound as bad as sane anger, but it does sound pretty raw. I say all you can hear were the drums and the bass. And the, I mean, the vocals, the guitars are weak. They don't, yeah, they don't punch. There's no yeah. oomph behind them. Yeah. yeah. Bass it sounds good. The drums sound good, but the rest of it's just kind of lacking. I would love to hear this remixed. Yeah. You uh -huh. know, I think it would probably sound a lot better if it, it was remixed. It definitely reeks of not. Not going to say it wasn't mixed by somebody that didn't know what they were doing, but they either didn't have the right direction or this was done by somebody 
who's doing the band a favor. Like, we need to get this album out. Here's right. the tracks we have recorded. We're on a time crunch. Got to go. Yeah, and that's that's another complaint I kind of have with the band is I feel like they were always in a hurry to put new stuff out, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I get that, you know, the music's not paying their bills or whatever, so they feel like they have to continually produce product in order to keep people interested in the band, um, which is weird because in the 90s, I don't think people were quite as fickle as they are now. I think, no. I think now, you know, like I remember back in that era, I'd have one record and that's all I'd listened to for weeks, you know, like... You know, but uh, Mortification kind of had this thing about wanting to put out a new album like every single year. I mean, you got you got Break the Curse nineteen ninety, Mortification ninety one, Scrolls ninety two, Post Momentary ninety three, Blood World ninety four, Primitive ninety five. You know, it just goes on and on and on. They didn't really start taking breaks between albums until a little bit later. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like pretty much everything they'd done up to this point had been a hit, and then once you got to primitive, it kind of started getting to more of a miss. And I think it's one of those things you could say pretty, pretty well that you know, you know they it, they just they, you know it was a miss, and it was it was okay. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't. I, I, there there are a few things about that album that bother me. This is that was when structurally Steve Rose. Writing was a lot more apparent on the songs, and they were. Um, I mean, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure he wrote that entire album, Remember the Machine. Considering the only surviving member of the band, that would make sense, right? And it, I'm not it, gonna, I'm it, not gonna split hairs on you know. It definitely the is the first time the before he quit or what you know. It, but, it definitely is the first time that mortification reeks of our only surviving member is the bass player, right? <laughs> it, it, it starts to reek of these are the bass so players' no left, ideas. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, but Steve Rowe was still the vocalist, so I guess that still made it okay. Right. And that, like, because I mean, I figure you know it's always mortification if he's in the band. You know, he's the he's the main man behind the mic, and um, so he you know he goes back to Australia. You know, rethinks everything about the band. Um, hires a new guitarist and a new drummer. Um, and what's interesting about this drummer is that you may notice that on their next album, Envision Evangeline. Um, Number one, this album is way more produced than Frame of Rhythm Machine. We're we're back to really m- more modern sounding production quality. Um, the band sounded good. Um, you know, um, we're listening to the first track now, uh, but uh, they started sounding better. Uh, the production quality sounds really glossy, almost like you're listening to like a classic, like a Saxon album or something. Oh, you know? Saxon. Yeah. So like it's uh angel witch yeah yeah absolutely just very um just very glossy um i thought the drummer did a pretty decent job on this record because apparently according to steve Rowe, this guy had only been playing drums for a month whenever he started the band well that's a risk a huge risk and one that's gonna blow up in his face at some point in Mm. his career because like you know he did a decent job and we got lucky with this one you know and and over the next few albums that this drummer's on he, he gets better you know um the problem is though is like He's nothing compared to the old drummers, though. And it would be compared to the old drummers. Right. From hardcore fans. Right. Um, right, he's going to be compared, you know, and, and he gets the job done because Envision Evangeline is not really a, um, you know, we're, we're we're gone now. There's no more death metal here. <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds more like a classic metal album. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um and it, you know, when I was complaining earlier about solos, well, he hired a guy that played tons Just of solos. solos. Yeah, like the dude eats and shit solos. You know, uh, which is great. You know, um, I think his name is Lincoln, and the drummer's name is Keith. And uh, 
So the very first song on Envision Evangeline is a 20-minute song. It's the title track, and it's a song about like the crucifixion of Jesus from the angel's point of view, which I thought was kind of interesting because it was uh, – you know, they're in the lyrics that he's saying, you know, like they're doing, you know, they're whipping him, they're beating him, you know, let's go down there and kick their ass, you know, like they're not ex- <laughs> in those exact words, but very similar, you know, uh, and, you know, and I-, I thought that was a really cool concept lyrically. They shot a video for this song, a huge 20 minute video. Uh, I actually still have the VHS of it at my house. It's uh it's got a mini movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got the band playing through the whole thing. And I like the song. I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I don't know if I could do it for 20 minutes, but it gets better. It's very different though. It changes up quite a bit um, throughout the song. My biggest problem with it though, is just how much freaking bass is in it. Like that album, like the beginning it's all bass-driven intro, and it's not bad, but it's just like, I don't know. It's a little weird in some parts on that song where... It sounds like Jason Newstead playing. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little weird in places. Um, luckily, though, there's eight like eight more songs or seven more songs on that album besides that 20-minute one, uh, but that album was pretty good. Um by the way, remember everything I said on the last album about it being the slowest up to that point yes. and the most bass heavy and this one well, absolutely yeah, this way one, more. This in one that just regard, topped yeah. the list. Yep. Right. Recurring theme incoming. Right. Now this, this is song a, so much slower in tempo. It is. And it's also not as aggressive. Mm-mm. Uh we're listening to the song Northern Storm and this is actually one of the most popular mortification songs ever and I don't hear it because it this is this is the first time where I actually describe the band's sound as kind of tired sounding. Like the the speed is just gone. The drummer sounds like he's been playing drums for a month. You know, it just doesn't They're all over the place. Yeah. The Give guitarist him... is good. He's like the yeah. only thing keeping it together, you know. Um the drums are very simple. Steve Rose vocals sound tired. Like if you remember, like on on Blood World and on uh, and on Primitive Rhythm music, he's like shouting and screaming, and he's just like he seems really into it, like a really energetic the energy guy. level's been yeah. sucked out on this. Yeah, one. And so there's just nothing left there. It's just, uh, but the material is still decent enough to keep it going. Uh, there's an incredibly stupid song towards the end of it called uh, "Noah Is a Knower," <laughs> which is just just Pass. completely stupid. Yeah, like I, yeah, that's Next pretty album. much exactly what I thought. Uh, um. But Envision, you know, is it it did introduce the idea that mortification is now going in a more classic metal direction. Uh how was that perceived by fans at that point? Any idea? Pretty badly. I would imagine so. Being um, a death metal band. That's like a complete genre switch. But uh you Damn, know. that's not very nice. Sorry. Um <laughs> but uh you know, I, I think yeah, th- this album just kind of. What's funny though, Noah is Noah is probably the most energetic song on the CD. <laughs> and we're just, just bashing the hell ju- out of it. It just sucks though. That's the you know. Anyway, they sound like it sounds like a beginner's band, like a, a band that just got and together. It is. it is like like guys who just never played instruments before have been just learning to play for a few months. Like yeah, yeah. But here's the problem. This is like what album number album one, eight, two, three, four, seven. five. Six, yeah. This, they've put out some stuff up to this point, yeah. but not these guys. Not these guys together. And here's what I think: it, probably Steve Rowe came back to Australia after, um, you know, after after Primitive and and formed the band again, you know, and it was probably just like a brand new band starting out again in, in a garage. Except this band's Mortification. You know? <laughs> oh, okay, let's not let's not start that. Right, it's a band that got together for the very first time to play in a garage, and it, it just happened to be Mortification. Yeah. Uh, and again, you're like, okay, well, if it's your first album again, then let's hear that first album yeah. again, you know? 
Um, and we had to wait an album to get the first album again. That's right. So after Envision, something really horrible happened. Um, there's actually a two-year gap between Envision Evangeline and Triumph of Mercy. And there's a reason for that. Because, again, the band's always been in a huge hurry to put records out. There's a delay because Steve Rowe was diagnosed with leukemia. And, um, you know, it's appropriate that Joe just cut the music there because that's pretty much what happened. The, the whole machine came to a grinding halt. And um, Steve Rowe had really bad leukemia. He was basically told by his doctors that he needed a bone marrow transplant. Um, he got a He got a bone marrow transplant. Uh, like a stem cell transplant, I guess. I don't know if that's the right terminology. I'm not a medical guy. Do people get it? Yeah. He needed a tran- bone marrow he, transplant. He got a donor. Yeah. They got the transplant. It was his dad, I believe. And um, he got the transplant. It didn't work. He um, got really sick. The doctors were like, yeah, dude, you, you've got like yeah, 12, 13 minutes to live probably. You know, like he just, he was not. And he wrote a metal album in that time. Actually, um, we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. He uh, he actually, um, he, so it didn't work. He was sick, and he, they told him he was going to die or whatever, and they, they just kind of jerked him around a lot. And I think eventually, like, they, they all got together, and they prayed uh, in his hospital room, and, um, like, miraculously the next morning that the, the uh, original bone marrow transplant actually just started to work uh, randomly. <laughs> uh and so, you know, it's either a miracle or it's not. I guess it depends on what you believe. And, uh, you know, I choose to believe that it was a miracle. And it was, you know, for Steve Rowe, um, it started to work. The only problem is, is like the chemotherapy was like literally killing him. And he got really sick again to the point where, you know, he was almost at death. And he basically just told the doctor, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> He, he literally just told the doctor, I'm done getting treatments. I'm done going through this. Just let me go home and die. You know? Uh, he's like, my life's in God's hands at this point. So he, he goes home. And uh, I don't know if it was a few days later or a few weeks or, or what. Um, he was like totally on the brink of death again. And they prayed for him. And he just kept going. He kept fighting. He got stronger. Got back to where he was at. Um, it's funny. I remember reading an interview with him and he was like, you know, yeah. So, you know, I'm in the hospital getting chemotherapy, you know, and I'm just sitting in the hospital room with my bass writing this song called raw as the Stonewood temple. And, you know, uh, it's just very, uh, you know, it's, it's very inspirational and this is where we're going to start kind of sounding like asses a little bit. Um, that's a very inspirational story and I think it's great to tell people. And I think, you know, as far as from a Christian perspective, he's got a really good story to tell about the healing power of God and all that, and um, totally support that. But when you listen to how the album sounds, there is a noticeable drop off. I think, I think musically, it sounds a lot like Envision. You know, um, slower paced, slower paced metal um, sound. Yep. Um, I think the song Triumph of Mercy is probably the best song on the record, and it actually talks about the whole cancer experience. It's like an eight-minute-something-long song. Well, and, and here's the spoilers here. Uh, Steve Rowe, to this day, still alive, still kicking. Triumph yeah. of Mercy came out in what, 98? 98, yeah. Okay, so... And we're not even like halfway through this discography. When, I mean, like... when, when you get to Triumph of Mercy, and I, I know I'm I'm being critical of the quality dropping off, 
Yeah. But if you gave me Triumph of Mercy and I was complaining about the quality, as soon as you tell me, wrote this album in the hospital while getting cancer treatment and he lived, I'd be like, you know what? The bass player wrote an album while he was getting cancer treatment. I will put that out. I will listen to it. As a fan, I'm still in. Right. This album is this album is not great, but I think we can all agree that they get a free pass on this. Previously, yeah, it's, not, I, it's not horrible. No, not previously. Not I may have been making an exit, but here I'm still in. Right. Yeah. Here in ten years, we're gonna get there. I'm leaving, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's interesting artwork on here too. I was just looking at the album cover. Yeah, he's uh, it's him getting healed, and there's yeah, an it's, angel it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool album cover. Yeah. Believe it or not, this was actually my very first Mortification album that I ever heard. Really, really, um, it's, it's yeah. I just listening to it now. It's not, it's not horrible. I mean, I don't hate it or anything. I mean, but like Envision, it sounds basic and it yeah, sounds yeah, like a band a that's simple, not experienced. Yeah, sounds like guys who were hired to play. Right. Um, interesting too that he kind of returned a little bit more to the death metal vocal style. Like I don't know, it was just as like an extra middle finger to cancer, you know. Like, hey, guess what? I could still do it, you know. Um, hey, you still kicking it? <laughs> yeah. Although this was the first album I noticed there are a little bit of vocal effects being used to, <laughs> um, not to create the growls, but I guess to accent them or whatever. Um, everything's everything's legal as long as it's not cheating. So Steve Rowe gets better. You know, he's kicking again. Puts out an album in 1999 called Hammer of God. This one's pretty damn good. Yeah, as I said, this was a good album, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. Um, that sounds more more of a beefier sound than the oh, previous yeah. two. Yeah, it's kicked up. Uh, one thing I like about it is they must have had a really good producer because the bass is turned down. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't this the first album that was recorded in Steve Rowe's private studio? Yeah, his own Hammer of God studio. And honestly, it's a great. must be a great studio because it sounds good. And I don't want to delve into this too much, but you know it's going to come up. So Dan, can we do it one time? What? God rules. Oh, God rules. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song actually was on the Mortification self-titled. It just wasn't called God rules. It was called the Majestic Infiltration of Order. Um, say that one more time. <laughs> yes, Dan. Say it again. It was called the Majestic Infiltration of Order. So at that point, it was a joke because of how ridiculous it sounded. The song name was longer than the lyrics. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, isn't this something though that any band can do right? Like, here's a fan favorite. We're going to re-record it to remind you that we're still here. I mean, Motorhead did it with Ace of Spades, right? But long before that happened, you got a new Mortification. You get a new album. The quality is back. Yeah, in my opinion. In fact, Hammer of God, maybe because it's the first I heard, is my second favorite next to Scrolls. But I like hearing God Rules because it reminds me, hey. Um, we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Right. Does that mean a band needs to go back and play a fan favorite again every five albums? No, but it's nice. Like, yeah, hey, I mean, we can still know. do this. Just just so you know. It was definitely good. Um, I really... Um, what's funny is I actually at the end of Hammer of God, there's four demo versions of songs that are uh, on Triumph of Mercy. <laughs> and... Uh, they're demo versions of those songs. They sound better than the than the album versions. But uh, yeah, there there were some really good songs on Hammer of God. The the opening song Metal Crusade was awesome. Uh, the song Martyrs was cool, um, which was like literally it's just all these stories about people that were Christians that were just killed basically for their religion. Um, you know, and I, I thought that was an interesting song. Um, they have really good ones called like Ride the Light and Liberal Mediocrity. Um, the thing is, though, is this record, 
the lyrics were a little cheesier than I think they had been up to this point. Um, this what, was what like, do you define as cheesy? Just your Jesus per minutes, um, cliche oh, type quotes. Yeah, just I mean. It sounds like a bunch of guys that are just really love heavy metal. I yeah. was made for loving yeah. you. Nothing oh, wrong. No. Yeah, they love they love heavy metal. You know, Paul and right. Gene. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but the, my biggest issue with with Hammer God is the cover, a uh, weird purple cover with a huge star of David, which I think they're not fooling anybody if they're trying to make people think that's a pentagram. I don't think that's what they're going for, given the band's whole ideology. But, um, you know, it's just, it's a weird image. I mean, it's got the hammers in the middle, you know? Um, yeah, there's, yeah, hammer, dual hammers. The Mortification logo looks cool. Um, it's the classic logo, and I think that's neat. Uh, but this is, you know, we're, we're, how many years are we in now? Like, I mean, the band started in 1990, this is 1999, so nine years later, this is almost completely unrecognizable as Mortification, even Steve Rowe doesn't sound like he sounded on even Blood World on this one. I mean, it sounds like a different vocalist. Um, and I think his vocals on Hammer of God, despite the music quality being better, still sound tired. Uh, like kind of just very, I don't know. Like if you can imagine maybe on the old albums, he's like standing up and he's sh- shouting the lyrics into the microphone. This one, it sounds like he's doing what we're doing. He's just sitting, sitting in a, at a chair, comfy chair yeah, recording it. Which and, if you've seen him, perform live lately is exactly what he does right but you know, I, I think mean, i think the health reasons are are more that right um, steve Rowe did recover from cancer but the effects of cancer throughout the years have not been too good to him um still putting it out though i mean you got to respect him for that um so hammer god came out i think it, it kind of re-solidified that the band was still a thing for everyone um they took a two-year break between this one uh, and uh, the next one, which is called The Silver Cord is Severed. This one sounds uh, really modern. Um, Steve Rose's bass is back, uh, like right in your face. Boom. Oh, is that yeah. what that is? Yeah. Um, I thought that was somebody skinning a raccoon. Right, yeah. It's it's there. Um <laughs> Which is funny because the cover of this album is probably the most boring one. It's just a base. I was going to say, like, how original is this artwork? Not very original, but that's mortification <laughs> now. You know, this is this is the new normal for the band, and um, it, it kind of just is like, okay, uh, this record wasn't a huge success for fans of the band. I think it, it definitely is not Hammer of God uh, musically. It's a uh, it's just a whole different kind of beast. Uh, I've heard people accuse it of being new metal. Which I think isn't true at all. Um, no. no. I mean, we're listening to the first song, Metal Blessing, and I'm getting kind of more of an Iron Maiden vibe. I was going to say, this sounds again else. more like 70s metal or, um, you know, 80s metal, if anything. There's a song called Access Denied on here that it sounds a little new metal-ish, but that's, mm. you know, to call a band, you know, an established metal band with credibility like Mortification, to call them a new metal band at that time was just the most insulting thing you could say. It sounds nothing like new metal. Yeah, I don't think it does. It's, first of all, it's not being played on a seven string. No, you know? it's not heavy at all. Yeah, like it's like, you know. But that was one of the biggest uh, complaints about Mortification in this area, or in this era. They, they weren't heavy anymore. They weren't. They weren't your ball-busting, you know, kick-ass death metal band that they were before. So, like, I mean, I could, I just can't see anybody that's on scrolls, that likes scrolls, listening to this. It's too slow of a tempo for me. Yeah. 
like almost lazy sounding. Like yeah. the songs were written quickly. But yeah, again, like let's rush to get this out and right, move on. Right. Um, they actually they actually toured all around the world for this. Um, Mortification is actually more popular worldwide than they are uh, in the United States. Um, it doesn't surprise me. They're not an international at all. act. Like they they come play in the United States and they're playing like at a bar to like thirty people. Um, whereas you know they they go to like Germany or something. You know, like four hundred people show up. You know, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, you know, I've seen them play festivals in Brazil where there's like thousands of people there. You know, and it's not surprising. Not at all. You know, uh, extreme metal also is is much more well received in other countries than it is in America. Um, and you know, it's kind of sad, but because you really, you know, typically they don't really like touring here because, you know, oh, let's go to America and make no money and get pissed on, you know, when we're, yeah, you know. <laughs> or let's go overseas and play soccer arenas for three hundred thousand people. Right. Yeah. It's just like you mean okay. it's not heavy like Pantera. Right. Oh, hey, you, you got your boys play metal. You know, it's like okay. So, uh, you know, Silver Chord Severed is just kind of like a, it's a record, it's, it's a record that's there, you know, <laughs> it, it exists, it has lyrics, um, it has music, it's not overly interesting. I think if you like Hammer of God, you'll probably like Silver Chord, if you like Envision, you might like Silver Chord. Um, new drummer on this one, uh, he's better than the drummer that was on Hammer of God, he's also only 15 years old on this record, obviously he's older now. Oh, um, is this Adam? Yeah, uh, Adam Zafaris, I think. Is it? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Came, I used to call. Didn't him, he like, come back in 2010 for like a minute? Okay. Yeah, you know, like for one song. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Mortification has really had that many returning members. Um, Doesn't sound like it. No, and you know, I think people quit the band. I think Steve Rowe's the only one that was like Steve Rowe is always very. Um, he was very much about the message of his music and. Uh, after a while, you know, like the band to him was a ministry to convert people to Christianity, um, which is a huge turnoff for some people. I think he's a dude that puts out records. He could do whatever he wants, you know. Well, it's his man. <laughs> right. You know. Well, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about when when I say that the quality begins to go down. I, I understand the purpose. But when it's distinctly a different product why does it have to still be mortification why doesn't it just become steve rowe sure change the name yep you know that's why 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 were these mortification albums this is my band they could I have been called steve rowe in the in the you know what you know, massive right. thrashers or whatever you know you you can call it whatever you want i get it but reese roper didn't show up and say we are five iron frenzy and it's a totally different band and it's a brave saint saturn yeah it, it, <laughs> it was it was yeah, that's that. This is this. It's different now. Okay, this is the best I can do. Okay, again, quality's going down. Do you understand why I don't like it? Because right. you're putting a label on it, and you're telling me if you like this, you're gonna like this. Well, yeah, I mean, think and about it's it. It's not true. If 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 I listen, if I listen to this, and you called it something different, I might still like it. Because of who's on it. Right. But hey, this is not the same this. thing as Scrolls of the Megaloth, and it's it's not even begun to go downhill, really. Yeah, I mean, it, this is still where it was still kind of an acceptable quality. Um, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, yeah, you say, hey, man, check this out. Yeah, this band, Mortification. Oh, yeah, Mortification. I remember them from, like, back in the 90s, Scrolls of the Megaloth, Post-Momentary Affliction, Blood World. That was awesome, you know, all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, listen to this. And it's just like, oh, who are these guys? <laughs> what the hell is this? Yeah, it's just, you know. This is not my mortification. 
But the cool thing is, so in um in two thousand and two, I think it was, they put out an album called Relentless. This one was good, uh, and the reason it was good is because guess what? New guitarist, new guitar player. <laughs> two guitarists on this record. The very first uh, Mortification album that has two guitarists, and my God, does it show! It's 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 full of squealies and pinchies and thrashing, and it's that's, this this is the not, first one I'd heard in a long time that I could say this is Mortification. That is you know? not entirely true because twice in the history did they previously have two guitarists, one rhythm and one lead, uh, at the very beginning, and then again near. Right around Primitive Rhythm Machine, you not, still had two. not on an album, as far as I'm, as I know, oh. maybe, maybe touring, but okay, not on an album that I'm aware of. Um, and I, I actually have all of the Mortification albums. Are you calling Joe a liar again? Yeah, maybe today. Huh? Hard to keep track. It's this been hour, like, it's w- been like a, forever. W- wouldn't be the first time. It's been almost like what thirty years, twenty, 20 minutes. years, twenty minutes. Yeah. No, I mean like in the. Uh, in the band's discography from like 1990, you know, it's oh yeah. I mean, we're we're been, right on 26 at this point. Yeah, it's been a year. It's if you're counting year Life Force, too, you know. you're right at about 30. Right, and I know so, you do. Yeah, um, but this one, this one's heavier. Um, it's more thrashy. Um, they did a really good job on this one. This is full of solos, and they even throw a death metal song at the very end called Apocalyptic Terror. Um, and here's where things start getting a little iffy because so Apocalyptic Terror. Is a great, cool death metal song. I mean, it really is. It's it's heavy. It's it's thrashy. Um, it's it's just it's in the pocket, man. It, it it's everything you wanted when you say, yeah, mortification. You show them apocalyptic terror, and you don't show them the rest of the album. You know, like <laughs> um, apocalyptic terror. Apocalyptic terror really got fans. Really like they kind of took that song as okay. So the next one's gonna be scrolls too. You know, like it, it, this is where they're going. Uh, with is, this. is this where the rant starts, or do I have to wait until Scribe? Of the- uh, don't even say the name of that album. Uh, so okay, it's blasphemy. It is. It really is. <laughs> He's only going to say it because he has to. I know. So um, I don't even know how to pronounce the stupid name, but uh, okay. So, but yeah. So, Relentless, good album. You know, you're like, okay, Mort's. They're back. They got this. So I guess it must have been around 2005 they started advertising. This one I was really into like Christian metal message words and stuff. They started um, actually I was doing a Christian metal magazine at the time, uh, and they released you know like this press release saying that like they were releasing a new album. It was going to be called Brain Cleaner, and you know, kind of a stupid name. It's an odd name, stupid cover, but like whatever you know. Um, we know Mortification doesn't take themselves totally seriously all the time. As long so. as the music good. Right. And um but the biggest thing was they released this song called uh Too Much Pain. And this was supposed to be their return to death metal. Um they talked about it a lot too. They never said, you know, we're gonna go back to death metal exactly, but they're like, Yeah, Steve's been listening to lots of carcass and death and stuff. And so, you know, you're thinking, well, these are all really great things that he should be listening to to, you know, be coming up with ideas and stuff. So what we got was what I like to call the mortification fake death metal. <laughs> um, so, like, too much pain. It's got death metal vocals. It's got blast beats. It's got that, like, tremolo picking. You know, it's it's got aspects of death metal to it. It's got a little thrash. The problem is it's all bass-driven. 
the album starts off bam 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 or the songs are bam 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 and if you don't like that sound well you better get used to it buddy because that's this is where the band's at now and and it's it's like i think joe put it the best where he's like yeah i'm listening to this and i'm thinking you know steve rose thinking back to like 92 and scrolls and He's playing very basic songs because that's basically what they've been playing for the past 10 years at this point is really basic songs. And I guess in his mind, it aesthetically sounds kind of like death metal, but it's not really. It's 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 it sounds lazy. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of real aggression behind it. Um it's and, flat sounding. And it fooled me at first. Like, I mean, you know, I, when I first heard Brain Cleaner, I thought, okay, well, you know, and and don't fool yourself for a minute thinking that the entire album sounds like this song because it doesn't. Um, there's still a lot of the relentless hammer of God sound in that, or even the Envision sound is there. Um, and there's just some really stupid songs on Brain Cleaner. There's a lot of decent ones too. The best songs that I thought were on Brain Cleaner were the ones that weren't trying to sound death metal. Um, they were like, there's a song called um, "Living Like a Zombie" that's actually pretty good. Uh, I thought that I thought that song was good because it sounded like the mortification that was on Relentless, and you know that's the band we've been listening to up to this point. You know, and you know, and, and while this is not the first time it's happened, this is one of those albums where you listen to it and you can tell. <laughs> The bass player had all the ideas creatively, and Absolutely. the guitarist was not able to adapt. Right. So you have a lot of, you know, free as a bird. It's a lot of, we're playing in unison, because that's the idea. Right. It's the, if it was anything but death metal, I would call it the Frank Zappa approach, where everybody's playing the same note because of how complex it is. And the point is you're listening to a group of musicians playing in unison. Right. In metal, we tend to call that, what, math metal? Yeah. It's like everybody counted to 12 and then everybody counted to 14. You can't drop a pin between these riffs. Yeah, That's like right. It's, you know, uh, and <laughs> but this was not achieved because it, it, it does kind of come off as a little sloppy sounding. And, um, and that's unfortunate. And I, I don't know, you know, and I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and says, oh, it's because of his health that he can't play music very well. Um, I've heard people say that. And that's just mean, you know, it's, it's, what, it, it's, it's what it is. The but, product is what it is. Right. It's, and, it's just not very good. Right. And that's what it is. Um, Steve Rose vocals still sound lazy on this one and um it just it bothers me and because because i know that at one point the band was good you know and it's kind of like the uh i, I kind of typically like to call steve Rowe the george lucas of christian heavy metal because you know if you want to call you know the first three albums like the holy trilogy or whatever um you know he, he released a product that everybody wants him to do again and he's releasing stuff where he's like, this is just as good as the original product, if not better. And everybody's like, dude. No, it's not. It's really not. Yeah. And maybe that's marketing. Maybe that's that idea of the thing I just did is yeah, the best thing not I've be ever his done. Fault. Uh, this is whenever the band actually started going in a more independent direction, I noticed, too, because there's a song on here called I'm Not Your Commodity. Again, it's supposed to be a death metal song, too. It's not. Um, it's got death metal vocals on it. Um it's heavy. It's one of the heavier songs on the album. Um, it's one of the ones I actually like the best, but 
the lyrics on this one are a little different than his typical Jesus metal stuff. And that he's saying, basically talking to the record label, and he says, you know, like, I don't care if you hate what I do because I don't exist for you. I play for the pure of heart who don't care about your plastic songs and all this stuff. And uh, it, it's definitely a, the most aggressive I've ever heard, like, as far as his him being angry, like writing an angry song. And you can actually hear that a little bit on the song, you know. Um, it's probably the most aggressive that they've been in years. Um, but again, it's still got that the bass. I don't know. It just it just doesn't scratch the itch like uh, like Scrolls does. You know, um, again, aesthetically, it, it may seem like a death metal return, but it's not really. If you look between the lines, it's really not what you're getting here. Um, but I think this is the problem here is that the, so he's making the argument in this song that. Everybody wants him to be more commercial or, or this or that. And he's off doing his own thing. You know, he says, I'm a man who loves God. I'm a man who makes art. You know, the issue is that there's a difference between being popular and selling out or whatever. Um, I think in his mind, the decline in sales, the decline in good reviews, I think almost in his mind, it was something that someone was doing you know like that the people had expectations of him that were unrealistic and uh and i think to an extent that's true i don't think he's totally wrong in that regard you know because you know we're sitting here where the fans were like whoa we want to sound like the self-titled or sound like you know i mean i've listened to the album once i'll be honest i i checked out almost at this point yeah and i don't it i don't know what to say about this other than it sounds lazy or it sounds tired right? or it sounds like this is the best we can do. Well, and this is whenever he was going really against, he was really going into this whole idea of like people are stealing our music online. Okay, Lars, calm down. And that's why we're not making, and that's why we're not making any money. And I, I made this argument back in 2005 that it could just be because the music's not very good anymore, dude. You know, like it's just not, scratching the itch for people and i think a lot of the original fans are gone at this point um i don't i don't like this at all yeah i think I, it's just not it doesn't do anything for me. there's no excitement there's no no the guitarist just, is decent yeah like, that's I mean, about but, it yeah but he's yeah it's not enough to gonna keep me interested no right um and i think if this guitarist wrote more of the songs maybe it'd be better because he is actually one of the better guitarists that was in the band but he's being held back by the band that he's in you know like, it's almost weird because it's so just kind of crappy sounding and then this guitar kicks in out of nowhere and it's a totally different tempo than what they're playing behind it and right sounds like two different bands playing at the same time right well it almost sounds like the guitarist is trying to play stuff kind of like the self-titled album yeah and uh, kick it up a notch during yeah because he's like i'm in mortification so i need to play fast and aggressive and you know steve rose just not there (laughs) musically but like again so you're you know you're coming into this band right they're this, you know, seminal band that's been around for all these years, put all these albums out, you know, sold this many records, you know, and you're you're the new guitarist. But like kind of like uh <laughs> kind of like the whole George Lucas thing when he made like the Star Wars movies, the episodes one, two, and three, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, does at this point who's gonna question Steve Rowe? 
you know, he's the metal master or whatever. You know, he's he's supposed to be this huge seminal vocalist that, you know, kicked cancer in the dick and you know and and, and kept going and kept the kept the music going and kept it all, you know, kept everything at this at this huge metal level. So, you know, when Steve Rowe says, I don't like this, this is a bad idea, you're probably gonna be like, Well, you know, maybe he's right Scribe and I just don't and I just don't get it, you know. <laughs> but uh we're not at that record yet. Um but uh so full disclosure Dan is about to question Steve. <laughs> okay, so they put so they put um they put out brain cleaner. I was let's say about 85% checked out at this point. You know, I was like I really just don't see any redeeming quality of the band. They're like, "Okay, well we're put we're putting out this new album. It's called Impaling the Goblin." And which is an awesome title. And they released this song, Razorback. I like this. This yeah. sounds good. This sounds like the self-title, doesn't yep. it? Yep. Yep. Um, don't get used to it. I know. Don't get used I know. to it. Yeah. It's like they pull um, a fast one every time. They've one song that kicks it off, and you're like, oh, right. It's like, it's like, a, it's like oh. It's like clickbait, right? Like, oh, you know. oh, that's a perfect way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Cause, and, and, they, and they said, you know, this is it. <clears throat> Actually, this song's really great till the vocals kick in, um, which would sound heavily processed. I think at this point, maybe he'd lost the ability to do the death metal vocals. Ooh, yeah. Because yeah, oh, it, it, it almost sounds like his regular vocals that are pitch shifted. They sound almost studio pitch shifted. And uh, But when I heard this song, I was really excited about it because it sounded like the old Mortification. And, it, you know, uh, it definitely hit. They had a new drummer on this one, and it really shines here. Um, his, his name was uh, Damien Percy. I think he was a friend of the guitarists. You know, he's like, well, you know, I think it was one of those like, Steve, let me get one of my buddies over here. You know, I know we're gonna a guy. Really, yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really make this. You know, we're gonna kick this album in the ass. Let's right? Go. Yeah, let's do it. And they do to an extent um, musically. And I remember hearing that song uh, Razorback and thinking like, this this might actually work. You know, <laughs> like this this might be okay. I'm not a big fan of the vocals, but I like death metal, so vocals aren't like my main thing. Um, because that's what we do, right? When bands that we like do things or people make movies that we want to like, you, you almost kind of try to talk yourself into liking it, you know? Um, and so that was that was this album, 100%. Um, well, they decided to ditch the name Impaling the Goblin because somebody said that, like, it, the term impaling in other languages was more synonymous to rape or something of that nature, and with them being a Christian band, I guess they were like, well, we're, we're not going to do that. Um, Considering also that, you know, more popular worldwide, that is a decision that makes total sense. Yeah, I get it. We're not going to put off the majority of our fan base just because we want to call right. it this. I get it, yeah. and um, So they changed it to Erasing the Goblin. I mean, I think at this point I probably would have just scrapped the name entirely and started over from scratch, but... Um, you know, we got to put this product out. We got to get it out. It's been two years since we put our record out. We're mortification. We put out an album in a year. You know, uh, actually, believe it or not, though, they they really slowed down at this point. I mean, I think after uh, like the difference between Relentless and Brain Cleaner was what two years, and it was two years uh, between Brain Cleaner and Erasing, and um, so this record was uh, had pitch shifted vocals. It had. Um, they 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 tried as hard as they could, I think, on this one to kind of try to appease the fans. Um, I don't think it really worked out as good as they thought it did. I think, like anything, um, 
Yeah, it's kind of like running into an old friend that you haven't talked to in years, and you're like, oh, man, they're so great. It's just how I remember. And then you like you get to know them, you're like, oh, this is why I quit hanging out with this person in the first place. You this know? guy's a douche. Right, yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so, and it sucks because Erasing the Goblin has a lot of really good songs musically on it, but also some really stupid ones. Um <clears throat> And with the vocals, vocals more or less being faked, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, like Brain Cleaner, it was one of those, like, it seems like it's supposed to be old mortification, but it's just, it's just not, it's, it's, there's still laziness there. Um, I I mean, don't get me wrong, it was the best album they'd released in years, but it, if you, okay, so if you take this and compare it to like what Tourniquet was doing at the time. Making they metal? Put out, we, Tourniquet put out an album called Antiseptic Bloodbath, you know, a few years later. And it might have been a lot of years later. I'm not sure. But, like, they still sound really good versus this where I'm listening to it and I'm like, well, you know, it could be good, but I've got to make up all these reasons why it's good, you know. Um, and honestly, that that Erasing the Goblin is kind of an important album for me because it really um, – opened my eyes to like Christian metal. Like I said, we were doing a Christian metal magazine at the time and we had a podcast. We had a lot of stuff that we did with that uh, over the course of a couple of years. And I remember like being a lot more like about the religion and about the message. And, and like, it was just, it was really, really a big deal to me at the time. And, um, you know, still is to an extent, but like, I, I remember in my magazine, we, we would review bands, Christian metal bands, that would be a very subpar quality, but they, uh, I would still say it was good because it had like good lyrics or whatever. And like, um, sometimes it was decent. And I, I just don't feel like we were doing those bands any justice. Wasn't so this you, the album that broke you? It was like, absolutely. I, I, all I can do is talk about the message. And I said, it's, it's just not good. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I thought you were a dick for saying it, but the message, nobody was saying it. The message is important it, you know, in like, that context, it's not but, good. It's, but music is music, and this is not good. Right, it's just not... Because um, it went beyond that. Like it, the, the whole idea of Christian metal being crappy, it reinforces the stereotype, and then it irritates me that it has to be that way. And it doesn't. You know, it, but Especially it, you know, you know, today, and I know this is about 10 years ago at this point, but it, in the modern era of music... There is no excuse for it to sound bad. You're doing it on purpose. Or this is the best you can do. And again, I ask the question, if this is the best you can do, why is the band still called Mortification and not Steve Rowe's new Metal Jesus project? Actually, he does have that. I know. So why does Mortification still exist? And believe it or not, it's actually not bad. Uh, One Row Vision, it's like a rock like a 70s rock type of thing and it's what he likes to play and it fits better um he actually has learned to sing believe it or not in the past few years and say actually sings like la 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 sings and it sounds way better than this um but i you know i think the thing is is that like mortification just really um like when i was talking about reinforcing the stereotype it really did because like i was just as guilty of it as anybody else. I was telling people stuff that wasn't good was good. And that's like an offense against metal, you know? Like, I mean, it really, you know, it, it is. And um, 
it really bothered me because like, you know, you want to say, oh, well, they're doing a good thing for God. They're doing, they're doing it for the Lord. You know, this is such a good idea, you know, but like, you're not doing God any disservice by not giving your best. Um, and maybe this was his best. I'm not criticizing Steve Rowe as a person. Um, I know, you know, I, 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 I've heard, you know, and seen what he's been through and, and I think it's amazing that he's even still doing it at all. But that's where I have to separate myself from the situation and as a music fan, judge it on its own merits. And it's just not it's not doing it. And I moved away from Christian metal for a while after this because I really just I couldn't see the merit in it. And I was embarrassed to show it to anybody, you know. Um, And, you know, I was like, how many hours of my life am I going to waste telling myself something that's not good is good? just because it's Steve Rowe and it's mortification and it's it's good if you really think about it. You know, like, you don't need that. It's, it's like the very first time you went and saw The Phantom Menace in the theater. You're like, yeah, you, the first time you watch it, you're like, yeah, that was great. And the whole time you're telling yourself, this is good, this is good. You're ignoring all your reservations. If you, you have know? to convince yourself, then it's not good. Right, and a lot of people went and saw that movie <clears throat> three or four more times after it came out, you know, because they were like, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is actually good if you really think about it and um, no, no, it is not. But here's here's the weird thing about it, though. I don't know if this was just like something that was going on in like 2005, 2006, but like I don't remember reading any bad reviews for this record. Like even 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 from like the secular websites, like the just your standard metal websites. It's like it's almost like the cancer and the struggle and the fact that he's been doing it for so long makes him like immune to criticism. Because I, you know, I look on the mortification Facebook page even now, and there's just so much hand holding there. Like, oh, it's really good, buddy. Just keep going, keep going. You know, like, um, yeah. But who's gonna have the balls to tell a guy who survived cancer that your shit doesn't sound as good as it used to? Right. No one's gonna say that. I mean, we're, who, that's kind of what that's kind of you know, kind of what we're doing. This but, just yeah, sounds like a guy who has a band where this is all he knows, and he's just trying to do the same thing he's always done, and it's just not just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't fit. Right. You know the, the the style anymore. He can't do it, right? But see, that was two thousand six. <clears throat> it's twenty seventeen, bro, and we still got albums left. Yay! Ladies so, and gentlemen, the evil addiction destroying machine. It goes without saying that I was completely checked out at this point. So when I heard that the new Mortification album was going to be called the Evil Addiction Destroying Machine, I was just like, eh, "That's funny." Didn't listen to it. Didn't even you know, anything. Um, Where the guitars go? This sounds really weak. Yeah, super weak. Like someone's like someone recorded this on a tape recorder in someone's garage. That's probably what happened. <coughs> um, to be fair, this is the era of digital recording where quality was not as high as it became for the home user. So if you didn't really know what you were doing, this is kind of what you came out. This with. sounds. This is what it sounds. Like. It sounds like, like he upgraded his studio. But what what's what's the comparison here? It's like playing an N sixty four game that started out as a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, it might be capable of looking better, but we haven't figured out how to program it yet. Right, and that's kind of where you get with your audio quality here. It's okay. I hear it. This is recorded on better equipment, but we don't quite know how to mix it. Whoa! Yeah, vocals. I was waiting for that vocal Man, to hit, just uh, to hear Josh go. Ooh. Yeah, this is just like I don't even know what to say about this. It's it's just so um, it's weak. It sounds lazy um, to my ears. Maybe I'm wrong, but again, tons of hand holding on this record. 
You know, lots of people, oh, it's so good, man. You just keep going. You keep, keep fighting going. the fight, yeah, buddy. Keep, keep going. Fighting. Keep doing it, you know, and, um, you know, maybe not. I don't, you know, like, I just, I, eventually my curiosity got the best of me, and I did listen to it, you know, on YouTube or something, you know, later on, and I remember just being like, well, okay, well, I'll dodge that bullet, you know. Um, it just, it just didn't do it for me, man. It really just the the lyric like the vocal lines and stuff it's just a guy saying stuff over it like it, there's no real like vocal there's melodies no, di- or no dynamics yeah, or anything no, and what sucks is that Steve Rowe was like really dynamic back in the day mm-hmm. you know like he's completely unrecognizable in this form you know um and that sucks you know it just it it hurts me as a as a music fan and I don't want to just bad mouth Steve Rowe but like here we are man we're you know it, it's gotten to this point it is what it is at this point. I mean, what else can you say about it? Right. Well, and the worst part is, is that, like, let's say I had a giant zit on my forehead, okay? And I hung out with you guys for, like, two weeks and had this huge zit and it was getting bigger and, like, pulsing and, you know, and you guys just never said anything to me about it. Oh, no, I'm popping that on day one. Right. I'll pop well, it right, for you. Because that's what good friends do, right? <laughs> they, they point out problems. Yeah, sometimes your friends criticize you, but sometimes you need it. Yeah, you but know. Dan, if you have cancer, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pop that zit for you. Right, I get it. Yeah, you uh, might let it go. I'm I'm totally gonna be there to pop that zit. All right. Well, I'm glad we got that. that, that should, Can just, I, I mean, it's just just between us. It's a deal. I, it's yeah, gonna it's happen. A, it's a date, I guess. Hey, dude, so. I know you just had chemo, but uh, come here for a second. Right. So I would have wondered how that conversation would have gone had somebody said something privately, like, "Man, this is just not cutting it anymore." I, I'm I, sure. I'm sure it's happened. I believe what you would have got is, "I don't care. This is my band, and this is my message." Right. This is the product that I'm putting out. Yeah. And again, here we are again. Yeah. Why does it have to still be mortification? It's clearly not as good. Right. And this is actually when he started his other band, too, um, One Row Vision. And from what I understand, the first album by that band was pretty bad, but then it got better afterwards. Um, and I guess everybody was just kind of waiting for mortification to get better. I was actually under the impression that the band was done at this point. Like, this was supposed to be their last album. And I know they'd pulled that a few times in the past. So this is our last album. And then, oh, here's our new album, Relentless. You know, so, uh, you know. It's almost like he feels like, why should I change the name? Like, this has always been my band. What, you know, why should he change it to something else? Right. You probably would have been better off just calling it something else and restarting a whole different fan base. Right. At least there's not the false advertisement of mortification names behind it. Right. Um, so, you know, that's it. That's mortification. That's that's uh, that's the evil diction of story machine. And I want to just end the podcast there, but I can't because they released another one after this. Oh, I didn't listen to this one. I have no idea what this one sounds like. Oh, lucky. It was called, like, Scribe of the Pentateuch. All right. Which is funny because I think they were trying to go for like a, yeah, see, it sounds like Scrolls of the Megaloth. For Josh's sake here, do you want me to just start it or do you want me to pick a specific one? I would I would away? not mind hearing Josh's uh, first time reaction to this. Okay. This is an interesting artwork cover too. Okay. so Interesting is a really nice way to put it. So here's what's going to happen. I am being really nice. I'm, I, I'm going to count down from three. I'm going to press play and then I am going to put my head between my legs and kiss my butt goodbye because it's going to get painful in here um dude you ready no uh, i mean i know dan's not ready i'm scared you guys are gonna be nervous i've done this already man okay three two ah. well they're all over the place jesus yeah 
It's almost like it's almost like they're all playing separately in completely different rooms, and it's not. Oh my god, there's no co- cohesion here. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. What like, is with those vocals? Oh my gosh, she, this is no. Okay, this is jacked up. Yeah. Nothing seems to fit together. There's no oh, good. You ask yourself too, like how could it get worse? <clears throat> oh my, uh, they certainly got worse. Oh, That's do you want to know sure. how it gets worse? Yes, yeah, grab the Pentateuch. Yeah. So that basic. Remember what I said about yeah, what the, the hell is remember, that? remember what I said about the uh, the Zayo drums? Yeah. <clears throat> do you hear it? Straight up digital, and yep. this is not the first time that this band has had straight digital drums. But are you sure? Yeah, this is not the first time. But you you may not have been paying attention. If it is a real drummer, I really hope you're not accusing him of something. Uh, I'm accusing him of pulling a Jesse Smith. This is about to get real awkward. What the? F- hey, at least you tried to switch it up, though. You know. So, do we need to say anything more about this, or is this when the rant starts? Uh, it's bad. Let's just put it that Jesus, way. The, what, what okay, is but here's the here? thing, man. Here's the thing. Okay. Again, rave reviews. I beg you to go on the internet and find a negative review for Scribe of the Pentateuch. Um, Everybody says it's good. He's just some people. At this point. He's not even. Some singing. people have actually said, like, I really wish we could insert like the unsolved mysteries, you know, theme song behind this, you know, and get Robert Stack back from the dead to be all like, some people have said that Scribe of the Pentateuch is just as good as Scrolls of the Megaloth, if not better. This People guitar have, player's not very good either. Permission you know to funny? treat Robert you know, Stack you know as hostile. You know what's funny? Same guitarist as Hammer God. No shit. What no the way. hell happened? You know, it's, a, it's almost like he, he just Let, forgot how to play. Let's go. I back don't think he forgot how to play. Second. I think where he was told not play. I went and saw. Well, I didn't go and see. I watched on YouTube them playing these songs live at like a club. And the dude's like he's playing, but he like looks like it's like, hey, dude, here's twenty bucks. Just show up. You know, like. That, so like, that this is this is killer riff. Same guitar guy, same guitarist. Wow. Yeah. That makes me feel sad for this. Yeah. That's like a waste of talent there. Yeah, it hurts. It, it really hurts. Yeah, that sucks. That does suck. Yeah. He was the guitarist on Envision Evangeline, which wasn't a great record, but it's Master of Puppets compared to this. You know, like I mean, it's you know. Um, and what year did this come out? This was two thousand and twelve. Twelve. So I'm assuming that that was it for them. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, no. We got one more. As of today, we have one more. This last worse. one is called Realm of the Skeletor. Oh, that's a, that's a great title. I may not actually have this. Yes, I do. Hang on. Okay. Actually, musically, this one's a little bit better than Scribe. But well, at like least they sound a little more 12, unison. 12% better, maybe, you know. Really simple. Sounds, sounds lazy, sloppy. Horrible vocals. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just going to get it out of the way again. I'm sorry to anyone that thinks I'm being an asshole. But if this is the best you can do, is this as satisfying to you as Scrolls of the Megaloth? Because if it is, power to you. But I'm going to tell not you even it's scrolls. not like, Can good. it be like Blood World or... No, no, no. I, I mean... I'll even as, take as, 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 a, as a creator, I mean, if you... If you believe this is as good as Scrolls of the Megaloth, and you think I'm completely out of my mind for believing it's wrong, I'm going to tell you, this is not good. If you wanted to call this anything else, it would be its own thing. 
But you're giving me Mortification, a band that now for over 25 years has been putting out records, which is more than a lot of bands can say. Right. But did you ever really sit down and wonder why your favorite bands don't put out as many records as Mortification? Maybe because the record company actually understands something about that, which is if you give them too much, they get bored with you. Right. And you run out of ideas. And I know this is not the same thing, but if this was anybody else other than Steve Rowe, if we didn't have a cancer, story is the wrong word, so I'm going to say life story. If we didn't have that, we would be looking at this guy going, what are you doing? Pretty much. So, Well, who's to say he'd even have a band at this point? I mean... Yeah. I think that's probably a huge reason why nobody ever... Well, he wouldn't be able to call this mortification if he wasn't a founding member, if he sure. didn't right. own it. Right. He wouldn't be able to call it that, so right. why can't it be something else? Oh, I have something else, but this is still mortification. You right. know what? Can you sit down and play Scrolls? No. It's not the same band then. Right. And that's my creative, critical outlook. If I can't still do the same thing, it's not the same thing. Right. So don't expect me to accept it for what it is when it's not. Right, and I don't necessarily think that he's expecting anything. I think he's just putting his stuff out, and right, and it makes him happy. That's fine. In that regard, that uh, there's nothing I could say negative about that. He's just doing what he wants to do. Yep, but what he is doing is wanting me to pay for it. Sure, change a band name, go a different direction with it. Don't you know? Don't slap a mortification label on it when it's clearly not right. Anything close to what that has been in the past. Steve yeah. Rowe has a new band. It's called Realm of the Skeletor. You know what? I'm going to listen to it. Yep. Right. It's not mortification, and but I'm, I'm going to listen and, to it. And you know, I might still hate it, but you know, at least you'll give it a fair chance. Right. I think at this point, my expectations could not have been more low when I was listening to it, and and I, you know, occasionally I've been done with the band and I've gone back and it surprised me. This is not that. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're ever getting going to get to that point again. Um, I think it's hard because again, there's just so much handholding with this metal scene that it's like people telling him, "Oh, it's great, it's great, man, do it again, do it again." You know, it's so awesome. You know, it, we just want another Mortification album, and and it, like the religious element is there, so it's like people say you know, that they feel blessed by the music, and you know, and that's that's fine, I guess, but it, like. Have you listened to other bands like I, that, and that? That's where I'm at. Like, because even there's lots of other Christian metal bands like Deliverance or Tourniquet or, um, you know, I can't really say you, you can't really call Zayo a Christian band anymore, but like Living Sacrifice and you know stuff like that, where where it all stayed so technically sound, um, and they they really kept it together. I don't think I think I guess my biggest question is where's the quality control. Because you got to think, like, they recorded that album, and, you know, e- even if it was completely independent, they recorded it in their basements, someone had to listen to that album in some capacity and give it a thumbs up and say, this is good, go ahead and release this. And that person is Steve Rowe, because he releases his own albums. Right, because he is the band. He's the point. record label. He's right. everything. Um, Which means... I... Final thoughts and mortification. I don't know. I got uh, nothing Okay, now. so um, I'm speechless. I know. After um, that stuff, yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's an argument I can't win, so I don't know. I don't have an argument to have. Oh, dude, yeah. we're going to get mad flack for this. Like, we're going to get hate mail about this because mortification means a lot of things to a lot of different people. 
and you know i guess with mort the biggest question i ask is does the bad outweigh the good and the answer is no Mm-mm. i don't think it does no because I think they, I think mortification was enjoyable all the way up to like what 2002. And, yeah. Well, any and then band, that should have been it. <laughs> any band that you like. Yeah, peace out. You you can still listen to it. Oh, I'd still listen to the it earlier. It doesn't stuff. you yeah. don't have to listen to everything just because you're a fan of a band. <clears throat> right. So, anybody who would say to me the bad mortification got me through something something that was going on. I would say great. I understand you like it. We're speaking from not only a fan's perspective, but a critical perspective. Right. And I would say, if the message is what's important about mortification, would you have gotten the same result from listening to the good stuff? Right. Because we're not criticizing one person's experience. We're talking about the band as a whole. Right. And it, it gets to a wall where we take a nosedive. And that's when not taking yourself seriously becomes the joke. Right. But taking yourself seriously kind of becomes... It's not even a joke. It's not even funny. Right. It's just not good. And I didn't... I would I would say that I... I would set the line at Hammer of God. There's a couple things after that that I'm a fan of, but... That's kind of where it stops for me. I gotcha. On a good day, I'll go all the way up to uh, to Hammer God. Um, on a bad day, I'd say to just stop listening after Blood World. You I was know, like, Blood World was the was the where right. Yeah, they, they kind of peaked. I think yep. musically, because um, I don't think they ever got really all that much more interesting after that. And I do like Hammer, but yeah, yeah. I think as a whole, Blood would be right kind of it. And even the silver cord is severed, but you know, if I have to pick a spot, it's like, bits or pieces from that, right? And I guess that's one thing about mortification as a whole. Like most bands that you may not like after a certain point, every album has something. Yep. Even if it's one thing, except yeah. for Scribe of the Pentateuch. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. So I mean, that's I'm not really. That's that's pretty much it. Um, I hope this podcast didn't make anybody think that we're like jumping ship to just Christian metal. We're actually going to do Slayer next week, yeah. Um, which could be kind of an interesting, which is ironic. Yeah, it's you know we thought that would be kind of funny uh, to do that, and uh, you know I, I think really with with this, you know, we are going to do a lot of Christian metal bands. You know, we're going to do Tourniquet, we're going to do Deliverance, we're going to do Living Sacrifice, we're going to do a lot of these bands, and um, we're also going to do your favorite band. We're going to do everyone else, too, you know. We're going to do everyone in town. The goal of this (laughs) podcast is to sit down and talk about a band's entire discography, not stack bands up from best to worst. It's, this band has these many albums, here we go. Right. So, what have you been listening to this week, Dan? Uh, well, uh, Slayer, uh, <laughs> you're, get, you're getting prepped for next week, aren't uh, you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seasons of the Abyss. I've been listening to a lot. Uh, um, my go, favorite album. Listening to a lot of Tourniquet also. Go ahead and throw out your album of the week then. Oh man. Why do you got to do this? Korn's new album is really time. good. Yeah. I just listened to that all the way through yesterday. What's that? Korn's new album. What's it called? What is the name of it? I forget what it was. I don't remember either. I just noticed Korn's new album. It was right, good. Yeah. Everybody yeah. can listen to Korn's. It's the problem with the digital age. Like yeah. You get Spotify or something. Yeah, I forget what You just hit play. Is. You don't really look at yeah. anything. I'll tell you what I picked up was a copy 
of Balls to the Wall by Accept. Nice. <laughs> so everybody needs to go listen to Balls to the Wall by Accept. Um, I guess my album of the week I've been listening to probably the most is probably the new Zayo album. Oh, you want to know what the name of it is? I mean, it's the they well, might want to know. It's it's the Well Intentioned Virus by Zayo. Yeah, I like the dramatic pause. Yeah, I like it. I, but that Can I put a cricket really sound in there? Yeah, that'd if be you great. want to. I mean, uh, I might. But no, that was a really good. That was a really good album. I think they did a good job on it. I can't wait to do the Zayo show to have another album to talk about with them. And on that note, this has been episode two of Discography Discussion. We will see all of you next week. Hopefully. <laughs>